Hey, before we get into our chapter for today, can we just pray together? Um, we're going to be talking about prayer, and I don't want to just be a people that talk of prayer. I want to be a people that pray too. So let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, God, we're, we're going to come to a subject today that, Lord, if we're honest, um, we don't do enough of. And we know that Christianity is a a, a relationship with you, God, a, a relationship of being with Jesus. But one of the things that you've called us to do is to pray and to be a praying people. And so, God, I, I pray now as we answer this question this morning that, God, you would form us, mold us, and shape us into praying people. That, God, prayer would not just be something we do out of duty, habit, or tradition, but it'd be something and become something in us that we must do out of necessity. God, may it become the lifeblood of our church that we would be a praying people. That as a result of our prayers, Lord, that we would see you move, God, that we would uh, be able to tune into the heart of God and walk closely with the heart of God because we've become a praying people. And so, God, I pray that you break down any preconceived ideas that we have of prayer this morning. God, that you give us a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit this morning. And God, would you mold something fresh in us so that as we exit this place today, as we turn off a video feed today, that God, we would have a deep desire within us to be a praying people and to tune into Jesus as a result of our prayers. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn there with me, Luke chapter 18, week 4 of asking for a friend. We're going to look at a passage that we looked at three and a half years ago here at Living Hopes, second week we ever existed. Um, we looked at this passage, and I had wrote a note about it in my Bible. That's how I knew that. And uh, I want to revisit it today because I think this is an important topic that we need to cover. So stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. And just so you know, <laughs> typically I'm a very, like, uh, I, I live within boxes. And I'm a very, like, organized type of person. My notes this week, I don't know if you can see this, are utter chaos because of what the Lord has just been teaching me throughout the week, so good luck. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 18, we're going to read verses 1 through 8, and it's Jesus speaking. It says, Jesus told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and to not give up. And here the story starts in verse 2. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God and he didn't respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while the judge was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and I don't respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice, so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Verse 6, And then the Lord Jesus said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that faith on earth? Let's pray again. God, open our hearts to receive your word today, Father. Give us the ears we need to hear from you, Lord, hearts to receive your word very eagerly, wanting and desiring to grow closer to Jesus God, as we said a moment ago, turn us into a people of prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, our question today was a simple question, and it's just two words. Why pray? 
Why pray? Because if we're honest, all of us in some capacity or another have probably asked this question. I know I have. Yes, we pray, but does prayer really matter? Does prayer really make a difference? What's the point of praying if it doesn't seem like God is answering my prayers? I shared this with you a few years ago. In our home, we've tried to make it a habit with our two girls, Colby and Sophia, um, to pray often with our daughters and to pray on a consistent basis with both of them. Sophia, even from a young age, has always been very eager to pray with us in the morning and evening and before school. But Colby, if you try to pray with her, it's like she always got a chicken nugget in her mouth in the middle of the prayer. It's like she has no interest in prayer up to this point. So pray for Colby. But I often remember Sophia, one of my favorite things with her. We, we typically pray with Sophia three times a day, at least. We would pray with Sophia before we would drop her off to school. And her prayer was always very similar. She would always say, dear God, help me to have a good day. Help me to make new friends. Sophia is incredibly social. And then she would say, in Jesus' awesome name, I pray. Amen. Her mommy taught her to always not just pray in Jesus' name, but to pray in Jesus' awesome name because Jesus is awesome. And so every time she prays or my wife prays, she'll always end it with, in Jesus' awesome name, I pray. Amen. We'd pray before dinner often, and she'd say, dear God, thank you for this food and for this day. In Jesus' awesome name, I pray. Amen. But my favorite prayer of Sophia is when she stopped doing this a couple years ago, and as your kids grow up, your dad heart starts to ache a little bit more. But every night before she'd go to bed, you'd go in and you'd sit on the edge of her bed, and you'd hold her little hand, and you'd say, all right, baby, it's, it's time to pray. And she would say, God's honest, this is what she always say. She'd say, dear God, please, please protect me while I sleep. And then she'd sit up, and her eyes would get as big as saucers, and she'd look straight at me, and she'd go, now you go, Dad, and you pray for sweet dreams. Because of Sophia, and what's interesting about her is when she was young, she had nightmares a lot. But when she started praying that God would give her sweet dreams, they went away. See, my little girl believed in the power of prayer. And even to this day, often when you go and you tuck her into bed, she'll still pray that God give me sweet dreams tonight. because She believes in the power of prayer. You see, for many of us, maybe we remember back when we were kids, and maybe you prayed prayers similar to this. You remember this one? God is good. God is great. Let us thank Him for this food. Amen. We prayed that before dinner. One of the ones, and I, I remember maybe praying this as a child, listen to this one. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Side note, that's a creepy prayer. <laughs> On the same page there? Listen to those words. If you pray this with your kids, stop it. If I die before I wake, don't pray that with a child when they're going to sleep. You might die tonight. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with us, but pray the Lord my soul to take. Guys, we, we know prayer is good. That's why we do it with our kids, right? That's why we try to develop those habits with our children. We know prayer is supposed to be valuable in our lives personally, but it's difficult. I was just talking to Mark at the front door. Sometimes we treat God like our genie. God, if you just give me this new job, if I could just get that car, that house, this opportunity, Lord, man, that's what I need you to do for me, God. And when God answers our prayer, what's our three-second Christian uh, response? God is good. Aaron's going for it today, guys. God is good. But when God doesn't answer the prayer for the car, the house, the job, or the opportunity, what do we do? God must not have heard my prayer. God must not have heard what I asked and requested of him. Can I remind us God is not our personal genie? 
Genie's the genie. Let the genie be in the genie. God is not sitting in a lamp somewhere waiting for you to rub it and him to grant your three wishes. Our God is seated on a throne, and we have the privilege to come to him. He's not a genie awaiting our response. If we're honest, and I'm guilty of this as well, sometimes our prayers are reduced to a 10-second interaction around a dinner table or maybe when we're falling asleep at night. God, thanks for the food. Amen. Somebody bring on the pork chops. All right, I'm going to pray before I go to sleep. Dear Jesus, all right, and you're out. I'm just I'm speaking everybody's language. Y'all know we all do this all the time. But we all desire in some capacity that deeper, closer, more intimate relationship, consistent relationship with the God of the universe. We want to pray. If you're a Jesus follower, I've never met a Christian who if I asked him, do you want to pray more and have a better prayer life? That was like, no, actually, I think I'm good. I'm fine. It doesn't happen. I'm reminded of what Martin Luther said. Every time I, I think and study of prayer, I'm always reminded of this quote, Martin Luther, the great reformer that, uh, from many years ago. Someone asked him one day what his plans were, and he said, he said these words, work, work, work from early until late. And then I love this. He said, in fact, I have so much work that I must do that I'm going to spend the first three hours in prayer. Can you imagine Can you imagine knowing and intimately Jesus, the God of the universe, that closely that you spend three hours of your morning praying and communing and talking to Him because prayer becomes the lifeblood of the Christian? See, we want to pray more, but we're tired, we're busy, we're distracted. Other things are demanding our attention. We're not really sure if prayer works. We're not really sure how to pray. And if we're honest, we've never taken the time to develop our prayer life. I want to help us move towards that this morning. Move towards that this morning here in Luke chapter 18. I want to show you in Luke chapter 18 maybe the, the why of developing this communication with God, what we've been invited to as Jesus followers, and why prayer is so important. And it should be something we should never just be satisfied with, but always something we pursue. Here in Luke chapter 18, right before this in Luke chapter 17, you see an interaction that Jesus had with a Pharisee and also with his disciples. And this Pharisee comes to Jesus and he asks him a very simple question here in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 20. He says, hey, hey Jesus, hey teacher, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus goes on to explain to this Pharisee and also to these disciples, he says, hey, the kingdom of God actually encompasses two planes of reality. The first plane of reality in verse 21 of chapter 17, Jesus talks about the here and now kingdom. He goes on to explain that, and then you jump down to verse 24. He says there's a here and now kingdom of God, but there's also a there and then kingdom of God. What does that mean? This is important here in a second. When Jesus speaks of a here and now kingdom, it's Jesus ruling and reigning in the lives and hearts of people here and now on the earth. So if you're a Christian this morning and dwelt by the Holy Spirit and dwelt by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, you're part of the here and now kingdom. It's an active and present reality. The kingdom has come in the hearts of God's people. But Jesus also explains to us that there's a there and then kingdom. That someday Jesus is going to set up an eternal kingdom, physical reality that we all get to experience on the new earth. That Jesus will return to earth, right all wrongs, eradicate sin, restore things as they were intended to be, and that's the there and then kingdom. But you and I are left here right now. We're living in the here and now kingdom of God. And then Jesus makes a transition here at the end of chapter 17. 
He tells him of these two realms of the kingdom, the two realities, and he says, now, let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about the need to pray. Why? Because, friends, we look forward to a future kingdom, hopefully, as Christians. But God has still left us here right now. And there's suffering we have to endure. There's hardships we have to endure. Anybody ever woke up on a Sunday morning and you thought, you know what, I wish Jesus would just come back right now. Like, right now. Turn on the news this afternoon. Just turn up. Which one? Let's go CNN. Turn on CNN. Click. I wish Jesus would just come back right now. Just right now. I wish he would return. Right? We're stuck in these two planes of future hope, yet present reality. And Jesus says, in the midst of all of that, I want you to keep your focus on heaven through prayer. I want you to stay connected to the telephone line of heaven through prayer. I want you to keep eternity on your mind through prayer. And he tells us what that looks like. Look at verse 1 of chapter 18. Let's read this again. Jesus says, now now Jesus told them, that's the Pharisee that asked the question, and also the disciples, a parable on the need to pray always and not give up. So this, this story, this parable, it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a, that's a new word for you there. He says, I'm going to tell you this for two reasons. I'm going to make up this story and talk to you for two purposes. I want you to know that you need to learn as a Jesus follower to pray always and to not give up. Be, become in the habit of always knocking on heaven's door. So keep that in mind as we read the rest of the story. That's the purpose. Pray always and don't give up in your prayers. Go on to, to verse 2. He goes on to tell the story. He says, so there was this judge in a certain town who didn't fear God, and this guy did not respect people. He sounds like a winner, doesn't he? Can you imagine if somebody described you that way? Hey, my name is Aaron. Oh, yeah, I don't fear God or respect people. Man, you sound like a great guy. Like, I'd really love to hang out. If somebody, like, wrote your tombstone after your death, and you're walking through the graveyard, and you see somebody, wife of so-and-so, mother of four kids, lover of Jesus, this person, hardworking businessman, gave so much to the kingdom, this guy didn't fear God, didn't respect people. Yeah, but he seems like a great guy. Right? Jesus is painting this really polarizing story for us because this guy absolutely opposes, as Joe talked about a few weeks ago, the law of Christ, the great commandment, Mark chapter 12. You remember what that said? The two most important commandments are what? Love God, love people. What does this guy do? Doesn't fear God, doesn't care for people. He's the polar opposite of Jesus. He's the polar opposite of who we are called to be. Why is Jesus painting that kind of a picture for us? Because in just a moment, Jesus is going to contrast the judge with our God. He's going to contrast this judge in this story with the God that you and I claim to serve. And here's why. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is important. If this judge who Jesus talks about in this story, if this judge still acts this way, you're going to see in just a moment that this judge is going to grant justice. This is important. And if this judge who doesn't fear God or fear people still acts this way, then our God, who is infinitely good and infinitely better than anybody else, is going to do things that are infinitely good and infinitely better than we could ever imagine. The judge who doesn't fear God and fear people still administers justice. He does a good thing. God, who is the perfection of holiness and all things good, is going to do things infinitely better than we could ever ask or imagine. 
So Jesus paints this polarizing picture. Verse number three. And a widow in that town kept coming to this judge and saying, give me justice against my adversary. So somebody had wronged this lady. Obviously, her husband had passed at some point. Somebody had wronged her. She goes to the judge. She needs justice for a crime that was committed against her. Why do you go to a judge? Because judges are supposed to give justice. Don't miss the simplicity behind the story. Sometimes in parables, we read parables and we're like, we have to find the hidden meaning of what Jesus was saying. No, that's not the point here. Jesus is like, he's a judge. He's supposed to give justice. But initially, look at, look at verse four. Initially, the judge was unwilling. For a while, he was unwilling to grant her justice. Here's the problem with that. Here's the polarizing view. Judges grant justice. When a judge doesn't grant justice, they're no longer living up to who they are supposed to be. But then what happens? Verse five. I love this. It says, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, the, the, the phrase there is this idea of the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. The lady needed justice for something that had been wronged against her. The judge wasn't listening. So what does she do? She goes back the next day. He doesn't listen. She goes back the next day. She doesn't listen. He goes back the next day. Jesus is painting a very important picture for us. But notice what the, the judge says. I love this. Uh, start in verse 5. So yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. In the Greek, that phrase, wear me out, literally means so that she doesn't give me a black eye. Now, in my brain, I just picture this like short little old lady in like this cloak with her boxing glove. She's like, come on, judge, let's go. That's not what's going on here. What's going on? The judge was concerned about his reputation. Again, he's not a just judge. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't respect people. There's nothing good about this individual. He doesn't care about administering justice because he's a judge. He was just trying to protect his own reputation. Do you see the polarizing pictures of God and this unjust judge? And then look at how Jesus closes the story in verse 6. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Jesus puts a little bow on the end. The unjust judge still granted justice. How much more will God respond to the cries of his children? Keep on, keep on going here. Luke 18, verse 7. Jesus goes on to say, Will God not grant justice to His elect who cry out to Him day and night? What does that mean? Friends, I want to give you some of the greatest news in all of the universe. That Jesus hears His kids crying out to Him. When your heart is broken and you're crying out to God in tears, you can know based on Luke 18, verse 7, that God hears you. When you're crying out to God because you have a wayward child and you're not even sure what to pray at this point and the tears just flow, you can know based on the authority of God's word in Luke 18 verse 7 that God hears you. When you cry out in triumphant shouts of joy to our God because of how he has blessed you, you can know based on Luke 18 7 that our God hears you. When God's kids cry out to him, our God hears us. That's good news. We've been granted access to the throne of heaven because of what Jesus has done. I like to think of it this way. If you've ever been to Walmart before, don't go, don't recommend it, but sometimes we have to, okay? If that hits the radio, Walmart, love you. See you soon. How often have we been in Walmart? You go to Walmart and you're going to hear this all the time. You're standing in an aisle, you're trying to pick out cereal, and what do you hear in the aisle next to you? Ah! Somebody's kid's crying. Do you respond in that moment? No, you just think, oh, that's somebody else's kid crying. Whatever. Who cares? 
But if that little voice that makes that crying scream is the sound of your child, what do you do? You move. You act swiftly because it's your kid making the noise. It's your kid crying out in distress. It's your kid that needs your attention. Look at verse 8. He says, uh, will God's, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7, will God not grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? And then in verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, our God will swiftly grant them justice. What's Jesus telling us when we cry out? Say it again. God hears, God moves, God responds. What was the point of Jesus telling this story? We need to learn to pray always and not give up. Let's look at those two points real quick, and we'll close this out. Some applications and some takeaway. First off, pray always. Friends, pray always. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that we need to continually be in a posture on our knees crying out to our God? No, no, no. There's a time and a place for that. If you do that all the time, you will accomplish nothing. There's a time and a place for that. What does it mean to pray always? Friends, keep an open communication with God at all times. One of the greatest ways to develop a posture of prayer in your life is to talk to God about literally anything and everything. Thank Him for the good things and the bad things. Thank Him for the little moments that you're walking through in every capacity of your life. Don't walk alone. Walk with Jesus. If the line of communication has been opened, make sure you're using it. I can remember when I was like 15 years old and I got my first cell phone. You all remember when you got your first cell phone? You didn't get your first cell phone, leave it in your pocket and be like, that would be really cool to use. What did you do when you got your phone? You called people. Because there was a line of communication that was established between you and other folks and you wanted to use it. Because of the blood of Jesus shed blood on that cross, you and I have an open line of communication with the throne room of heaven. Let's make sure that we are using it. Crying out to our God, God, please, we need you to right all wrongs, return sooner than later, and fix what is broken. But notice this too, I think this is important. Understand when you cry out, God hears you and he doesn't get annoyed with you. Anybody got kids that sometimes you're like, if you don't stop talking, I will hit you? Just me? <laughs> Might need counseling, Joe. I don't know. We, we do that, and even if we're good parents... There's some times where your kids talk to you so much that you're like, stop it. Just go, go talk to your mom. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Can I tell you, based on this parable, Jesus doesn't respond to us like that. Actually, our God, based on this story, invites the pestering. He invites the persistence. He invites us to continually come to Him. He never gets annoyed with your prayers. That's good news. Now watch this as well. Turn back a couple chapters with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 is Jesus telling another a story here. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. Watch this. Again, he's talking about prayer. And Jesus says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Understand this other thing when we talk about praying always here. If, if you who and me who are sinful people, if Sophia came to me and said, Daddy, I want a bluegill. I don't know why she would do that. Let's say she does. What would I give her because I'm a good dad? A, a bluegill. This is a simple story. Let's not complicate it. Because if I was a bad father, what would I give her? A snake. <laughs> Side note, if you do that to your kids, you need to confess that today because that's weird too, okay? <laughs> That's strange too. 
But, but, but again, don't miss the simplicity here. Then he goes on in verse 12, watch. Or if your, your child asks you for an egg, why would you give them a scorpion? Again, Jesus is using hyperbole on us here to just illustrate this most basic truth that when a child comes to a loving parent for a basic need, the parent responds accordingly. That's what a good parent does. And if our God, who is not just good, but He is infinitely good, He is the one from which all good flows, and if we come to Him asking for these basic needs, how do we expect God to respond with the very things that we do need? God invites us to come to Him. And our prayers do not pester or annoy Him. My little girls, like I said, nine and four years old, I want them to always know, and I think this is the heart cry of every parent in this room or that's watching online today, I want my kids to always know that they can come to me for whatever need they ever have in their life. They don't have to hesitate. I never want my girls to grow up and say, I don't know if I should call my dad. I don't know if I can call dad about this. I want them to know that because I'm, a, I'm striving to be a loving father, that they can always call me with whatever needs they have, and I'm going to respond accordingly because I love them. God is the very same way. And here's what's interesting too, and we've all experienced this, whether it be in a relationship with somebody or with children. You know the longer that you develop a, a line of communication with someone, what happens? The deeper your relationship with that individual gets. The longer you develop a line of communication, the deeper your relationship gets. I think of my relationship with my mom and dad. When I was a teenager, y'all did this. You call your parents, hey mom, I need 20 bucks for gas. Hey mom, can you stop at the store and pick up Hot Pockets? Hey mom, can you do this? Hey dad, I need this. Hey mom, can you do this? Anybody else whose parents are still living, just call your parents just to talk occasionally. I'll do that with my mom all the time. I'll be driving to the grocery store. Liz will send me to the grocery store. I'll call my mom up. She'll just say, well, what do you need? Nothing. What do you want? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. Why'd you call? I don't know. And then we talk for 15 minutes. How's that happen? Relationship developed over time. Communication developed over time. Sometimes I used to call them because I wanted something. Now I call them just to talk. That's prayer, y'all. Let me give you a couple more. I promise we're almost done. Understand this. God's answer might not be what you expect as well. God, I need that new job. God doesn't give me that new job. Mm, is God still good? I was talking with Mark about this at the beginning. God's most uh, common answers to our prayers, you all know this, is yes, no, and not yet. And because He's a good Father, He's not always going to meet your wants, but He's going to meet your needs instead. And sometimes you need to be told no. Sometimes you need to be told yes, and sometimes you and I need to be told not yet. As a father, I love telling my children yes when I can, when they have a need that I can meet. But if we go to lunch today and I ask Colby, baby, what do you want for lunch? And she says, I want a Snickers, a Kit Kat, and a large chocolate milk. What am I going to say? No. God works the same way, friends. Sometimes He has to tell us no. Sometimes He's going to tell us yes because what we are asking and requesting is in alignment with who He is and what He wants to do in our lives. And sometimes God is just going to say not yet because we don't understand what He is doing in us, through us, and around us for His glory in the long term. I hate the not yet answers from God, but I've learned over the years that sometimes when you learn to sit in the not yet, you start to understand five, ten years later. Be okay with the not yet answers. 
but understand that God is still good even when He answers no. He's still good when He answers yes, and He's still good when He answers not yet. Let me show you a couple more verses. Verse uh, 13 of chapter 11. Jesus talks about if a kid asks for a fish, you don't give him a snake. You ask for an egg, you don't give him a scorpion. I love this part right here. If, then, if you then who are evil, you know how to get good gifts to your children. That's what we've been talking about here. Don't miss this. Don't skim over this last part of verse 13. How much more? Because God is infinitely good. He's not just good. He's infinitely good. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? Don't miss that. The Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Here's the point. The greatest answer to your prayer is not what you've requested. It's getting more of God. Listen, I can give my girls all the things in the world over the span of their life, but the greatest gift I can give them is a deeper, closer relationship with me as their dad. That's going to carry them further, faster, and longer than anything else. It's when they get to know me on a deeper level. Friends, when we learn to pray rightly, we get into a deeper relationship with God. Point number two, make sure you don't give up. Give up on what? Give up on praying when we're not quite sure how God is answering Notice in our parable back there in Luke chapter 18, the widow persisted despite the lack of movement on the judge's part. Even when the judge, it seemed like, wasn't going to answer her, she still persisted in her prayers. She still cried out to God, or to the judge, to answer her request for justice. Make sure we live that out in our Christian faith. Crying out to God consistently, all the time, crying out to Him and not giving up. Resting in the promise that God is someday going to fix all things with the there and then kingdom, and it's going to be okay. Let me give you two more things. The purpose of prayer is to draw you in a closer relationship with God. God's not your genie. He wants a deeper relationship with you. And I want to close with this story based on a Tim Keller quote. It's a story of this incredibly powerful king who ruled over a very vast kingdom. And that king, he ruled over a vast kingdom. He was a good king. But what made that king interesting is the story goes that access to him was very limited. That you could only access that king if you were a certain person who came at a certain time and you had to have a very certain request. And the story goes that that king one evening departed to his chambers to to leave for the night and guards were stationed all around the entrance to his chambers. In the middle of the night, they heard this rustling coming up the steps, those guards did, and they looked around the corner and those guards saw a small little boy making his way up the steps. Those guards looked at the little boy, they kind of smiled, and before they could even say one word to the child, as fast as toddlers do, that boy took off straight to the king's chambers, whipping those doors wide open and heading straight in to find the king. And the story goes like this. That as that little boy was running past those guards, that one of those guards cried out these words, Stop! You can't go in there. That's the king's chambers. To which that little boy, fully in stride, looked back and said this, Yeah, to you, he's the king. But to me, he's my dad. And I can see him anytime I want. Tim Keller put it this way, The only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is that king's child. And you have that kind of access. Y'all, we get to go to God in prayer. We get to go to Him to get more of Him. That's why we pray. So I'm going to invite our praise team to come. Can we pray?
Can we pray? Can we pray through singing? Can, can, but singing the praises of God is a form of prayer. Ascribing glory back to God for who He is. It's incredible. We get to do that. I, I invite you all. The, the altars are open. We're going to do this all the time now. If you got something heavy on your heart and you need to go to the Lord in prayer, let's pray. The line of communication is wide open. If I can pray with you, I would love to do that as well. Let's, let's pray and ask God to move. Ask God for more of himself in the midst of this and thank him for the line of communication that we have to him. Let me pray before they, they lead us. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, for the privilege we have to gather in your house with your people. God, to study your word and to sing your praises. God, we want to we wanna pray more. We want to pray better. We want to pray more consistently. God, we want to know you more. So God, I pray as we sing that it echoes through the throne room of heaven and brings the glory to Jesus that he deserves. And I pray that you hear us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.